Hello and welcome back to the Franklin Delano Roosevelt podcast. This is, of course, the podcast where we explore all the times Franklin Delano Roosevelt was, in fact, a boy, a bro, a friend. Uh, of course, the greatest example would be the New Deal. Uh, the second greatest example would be the fireside chats. You gotta love chatting by a fireside with your boy. And of course, the third would be that he drank beer. Um, I actually don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't think. I don't think Franklin. I don't know if FDR drank. Also, is it true that nobody knew he was paralyzed? What the fuck? I mean, it's like it's he was a good president, as far as I know. He did a lot of good things. But I will say, it's like, if you are curious about whether or not the government would lie to you, a good answer would be that one of our best presidents was lying to you the whole time about his ability to walk. And that's just where it starts. You know what I mean? That's just the beginning of like, they're just like, okay, so we have a president, he can't walk. That is not going to work. Um, so we're just going to fake it. We're just going to fake it, and we're going to make it happen. And honestly, that is, that's very inclusive, to be, to be honest. For, you think about the U.S. government at that time. They were like, this guy is so good at being president. He would be so good at it that I think we should hide the fact that he's handicapped. I think he's so good at being president that it would not be worth it to get a guy that can stand because nobody's better than this guy. And, you know, it's interesting, though, because it's like he uh, he's a good president, as far as I know, uh, but he also married his cousin and lied about being paralyzed, which is like a thing a maniac would do. Like, that's like a thing a psychopath would do. Like, if you met a guy... If you went to a guy's house, and and you'd never met him before, he's like, this is our friend, we're going to go over to his house. And then you're like, okay, cool. And then you you go, and you walk, you knock on the door, and they answer it. And it's the guy there, and he's with his wife. And everything seems normal, and you shake hands. And then you walk by the guy, and you go to the couch, and you realize he's just still standing facing the door. And then you just see his wife pretend to hold his hand she's obviously holding the entire weight of his body up he is resting fully on her arm and his feet are just drag like his toes are just both just dragging on the ground and she just very obviously carries him to the table and then you sit down and you're you're chatting and then you're like so how'd you guys meet and he's like we're cousins actually you'd be like this guy's insane this guy is definitely lying about being paralyzed and he's openly admitting to marrying his cousin I would like to leave now. You would not think this is probably one of the greatest leaders of the free world that's ever lived. But then again, it goes to show that guys that are really good at being leaders oftentimes have a very confusing and often disappointing uh, private lives. And I think that's important. I don't like, I've, you know, I've, I'm reading a book about Abraham Lincoln right now. I read a book about Grant before. And I will say it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Those guys, their personal lives are, um, I wouldn't say disappointing. Um, I would say very human, you know, they're very human lives. Like I was reading about Lincoln and, uh, he like had a lady he loved and then she fucking died. And then there was some other girls he was trying to get at and they were like, nah. And then he met. His wife married Todd Lincoln, and he was like, she's cool, but I don't really think I'm trying to marry her. And he told her that, and then she was like, damn, but whatever, I got other suitors. 
And it's like, that's not, that shouldn't be the story of the romance of our greatest leader. You know what I mean? But also, yeah, it should be. Because I don't want the leader of the free world to be a guy that was like, yeah, I saw her. I thought she was hot. I asked her out and she immediately said yes. And everything worked out for me. I don't like that. I think it's good, you know, and then Lincoln, yeah, he married uh, Mary Todd and she was uh, a, a woman with probably borderline personality based on everything I've read. She's just, she was known as having a very hot temper. She would, you know, go cold to hot very quickly. Um, and those, those is a lot of what I've read are just symptoms of borderline disorder. Um, and that was just, that was the wife of one of our greatest presidents, you know? And you're like, damn, that's fucked up. And it's weird. You look into somebody's life and you're like, wow, Abraham Lincoln. That must have been a good, you know, when you first think of it, if you know kind of nothing about the guy, you're like, that's a good life. You know, he was president and he he worked, you know, more than many presidents to free enslaved people. Um, if you're unaware of Lincoln, you should know that was kind of his the main thing he did was free enslaved people. And you're like, so that must have been a good life. And then you learn about it, and you're like, well, the years that he did that were probably the worst years of his life. Uh, everybody hated him, and it killed him. When he was done, when he did all the good things, a guy killed him for it. And meanwhile, all that was happening, he had a wife that was just, like, shitting on him and shitting on, like, anybody he liked. And you're like, wow, so that life was, like, very unenjoyable? And it's like, yeah, and it's like, damn, okay, yeah, that's why I don't want to be a, a leader of the free world, you know? Like, I, f I find it really fucked up when people want to be president and leaders and they think they're going to enjoy it. Don't do that, you know what I mean? A president is a person that's made. You know, Lincoln was made. He did want to, he had aspirations, but it's like he was in the government... And then he had 10 years where he didn't get elected to anything. And then he became elected president. And it was, you know, it's like that's somebody that's kind of forged. You know what I mean? They're like trying to, they're losing elections. They're trying their best. And they're losing elections because they're sticking by principles. You know what I mean? And they're not doing everything just to become a president, you know? Um, and I think Grant is a better example of that because that motherfucker just won the Civil War. And then they were like, you need to be president now. And he was like, okay. And he did it. Lincoln was, you know, interesting. But that's, I like reading historical bi biographies because it gives you a better window into the actual, like, psychological evolution of whites in America. And it's stupid to believe that Lincoln was born and was like, I love black people. And they're just as cool as me because he he didn't really think that for a while. His early campaign speeches are pretty funny because if you read them, he's like, hey, I don't like black people either. OK, we can all agree they're worse than us. Like he said all of that stuff. And he was like, but I don't think we should enslave them. I think that's a bad idea. But pretty much everything else, he was like, definitely, I'm not, don't fucking let them marry my daughter. You know what I mean? Like, he was pretty clear about that. Like, Lincoln was, at his time, a racist in the 50s. Like, he was, he had the thoughts of a racist man in the 1950s, which at that time, in 1860, you were the most progressive thinker in the world. Like, you, people thought you were crazy. People thought you were, like, uh, 
like an anarchist to be like, I just don't think we should have slaves, you know? And then like halfway through the war, he was like, yeah, they should probably vote. That kind of doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's all to say that you should read a historical biography because it's uh, a good lesson to be uh, uh, disappointed for a moment by men you look up to and, you know, and then realize that that is the that's actually how people think. You know, he was affected by his society he grew up in. He was, you know, he was very good at not being affected by political pressure, but that's still there. So, you know, it's like, it's stupid to believe that Lincoln was just an amazing guy. It's like, that was a guy that his thinking took time to get to a place where he could say obvious things, such as, well, if we're going to free all these black people, they should vote. Because at first he was like, I think we should free them, and then, and then we should send them back to Africa, which nowadays is a pretty mean thing to say. If I was walking around being like, I love black people, I think we should put them all on a flight and send them back to Africa, people would not think of me as a very progressive thinker. Um, but at that time, screaming in a black man's face, go back to Africa, was uh, like super cool. It was like, it was like, whoa, you're like a hippie. You know, those were, he was like a hippie at that time. And, you know, he could fucking walk, unlike Franklin Delano. Fucking bullshitter, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, anyway, the Super Bowl's coming up. Uh, that's gonna fucking suck. I couldn't imagine a more boring Super Bowl. I'm so not excited for the Super Bowl at all. The, I mean, I, don't, I could give a fuck about the 49ers. I like Brock Purdy. I think it's cool that there are guys that are poor in the NFL. I think that's interesting. Brock Purdy has a fucking roommate, um, and everybody else that plays with him makes his entire year salary in, like, 10 minutes of a game. I like that, and if I want anybody to win, it's that guy. Uh, but in a way, he's already won to act like he's not going to get a better contract next year if his contract is up uh, is stupid. So he's already won. Um I don't see the point in having Patrick Mahomes get another ring. I don't think anybody wants him to. I will say this. I don't think there would ever be a dynasty in the NFL that everybody across the board would say, yay, I'm really glad they have a ring. But I will say, if Jalen Hurts got a ring, America as a whole would be a lot happier than we would seeing Patrick Mahomes be like, thanks so much, and then get another. Nobody gives a fuck about that man's happiness. And I honestly don't like that he's, like, nice to... Like, that's fucking stupid. Like, people hate Brady, but it's like... Brady was a winner. He was a sociopathic winner. You know what I mean? And and you can say it was, you know, it was boring to just watch him win over and over and over again. But that guy was a fucking winner. And I just you look at Patrick Mahomes and it's like he's yeah, he's definitely of course one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. A lot of people can make the argument he is the greatest quarterback of all time. But uh more people can make the argument that he's a fucking pussy and it's really not entertaining to watch him like it's 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 entertaining to watch him like fucking make one of his insane passes and actually like when he actually plays the game it's great but it just see I don't know like you watch that fucking Baltimore game and you're just like are you kidding me like some guy says hi to Patrick Mahomes and the refs are like you just roughed the passer and it's like that's his father you can't even throw a flag on him 
what are you doing? You know, um, you know, it was obvious that what America wanted was the Detroit Lions to play the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. But the NFL could not allow that because if the Baltimore Ravens and the Detroit Lions, if all those fans are in one stadium, that is legally a gathering of the Juggalos. And the NFL could not uh, sustain that, okay? Because legally they would have to have uh, the Insane Clown Posse do the halftime show. And they're not ready for that. You know what I mean? They want Blake Lively, who, as far as I know, has never been affiliated with the Insane Clown Posse, you know? So, you know... That's that's what we're dealing with. Uh, it's it's uh, another boring fucking Super Bowl that the Chiefs are going to win, even though it would at least be somewhat entertaining to watch the 49ers win. Um, I also think once I started thinking that the NFL was fake, um, all of my views on who wins games, every, anytime Patrick Mahomes wins a game, I'm like, well, of course, that's good for business, you know? So uh, I have been caught up in the conspiracy that the NFL is scripted, um, makes a lot of fucking sense, actually. It makes complete total sense. I honestly don't know why they would just let them play the game. That's terrible for business, you know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes would get shanked if they just let them actually play the game. But, you know. Hey. Hey. Is what it is, you know? Um... And I don't know enough about football to have said anything I've said, but I have heard people who are good at football say that Patrick Mahomes is a bitch. And I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I don't like how he dresses. Uh, I do think I could hang out with him. I don't think we would have much to talk about, but I think we could get along, uh, uh, you know, okay. Like, I think if me and Patrick Mahomes were doing a Subway commercial... Um, I would probably make two jokes to him and one would work and he, he wouldn't like me actually. He wouldn't like me at all. Um, I don't know what that guy's into. You know what I mean? It's like NFL guys are so interesting. It seems like they don't have interests. Like, it just seems like they play football and then they do stuff that people tell them is normal stuff to be seen doing. So it was like Patrick Mahomes like went to Super Bowl and then two days later they're like he went to laser tag with his son and you're like that guy wants to do cocaine off of his wife's butthole. What the fuck is this? And if he doesn't, why is he in the NFL? You know, whatever happened? There's no like Lawrence Taylor's in the NFL anymore. You know what I mean? There's no like fucking out of their mind people. Well, we you know Tyreek Hill's pretty insane, um, but he's kind of more insane because he has like domestic violence charges. Apparently he hit a kid. Which, I don't know, was the kid a badass kid? Was that asked at all? Was Tyreek Hill just being a good uncle and, like, slapping a kid on the back and being like, stop fucking sprinting around my house? Because sometimes that's important. When I was younger, my Uncle Jack, who was not my blood uncle, but my aunt's husband, uh, I was in their house, I was six or something, I was just staying over there, I think. For some reason, I was yelling, which is weird because I'm not much of a yeller, uh, especially as a kid. I was quiet. Uh, great kid. Great baby. Wonderful baby. 
a lot of people that I came out of the womb and the doctor said, wow, that's a good baby. I've never seen a more calm baby. He seems so smart. He's probably going to own the biggest company in the world. And that doctor was right. And that doctor was Donald J. Trump, future at that time president of the United States. None of us knew he was capable of it. At that time, he was just a lowly brain surgeon. But I was yelling in my in my Uncle Jack's home, um, and he is uh, dead now. But when he wasn't dead, he said, uh, if you keep yelling, I'm going to put you outside. Um, and I was raised as a white middle class boy, and uh, I was born in 1999. So people didn't treat me that way. Uh, if I was yelling, people would ask me why, uh, which is not a great way to raise a kid either. Everybody was pretty nice to me. That was the first time an adult was just like, I'm just, I'm just going to fully... Well, I mean, I was punished. I was put in time out and shit. But I was never like... I was never, like, thrown out of a house, you know what I mean? And be like, just stay outside because you can't live in here. That never happened to me. Um, so, yeah, then I remember uh, he put me outside. Uh, I probably cried. I think I was only out there for, like, five minutes until my aunt just asked her husband, where is Cooper? And I guess he just told her I put him outside, and then she was like, oh, yeah, you can't do that with uh, little white kids nowadays. He was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then came outside and was like, Cooper, what's going on? And I was like, you fucking put me outside, you know? And I went back inside, and that must, I don't know, I wonder how that felt for him, you know what I mean? Of just, like, seeing a five-year-old you, like, put outside of the house, come back in. I bet with his mindset, he was just like, great, now the house sucks again. It was awesome for five minutes, and now it sucks again. Or he just looked at me, and he was just like, ah... I was a little mean, you know what I mean? I hope I wasn't too mean on the guy. Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, you know, that's that's what's been going on with me. I'm fucking reading about Lincoln. I am doing a podcast later with my friend Shane. Um, I I need to read the news so I can talk more about things that you guys are into and aware of. We actually have a newspaper here. Why don't we just read a headline? I haven't read this newspaper. I bought it. I haven't read it yet. It's been like four days. That's not how you're supposed to buy news. They're not books. You have to read them when you buy them. But let's see. All right. What do we got? So home sales in desert dry up. Palm Springs capped short-term Airbnb rentals. Now owners are watching their property values drop. Who gives a fuck? Your entire real estate was held up by Airbnb, by the Uber of houses, by one of the worst businesses that pretty much ruined itself in five years. Have you heard anybody say they had a good Airbnb experience in the last three years? Or has it just been the same thing of like, I stayed in a guy's house and then he charged me $3,000 because there was water in the sink. Like that's that's all Airbnb has become... And, I mean, if that's what they're saying, if they're saying that as L.A. continues its crackdown on Airbnb, city officials can turn toward the desert for an example, perhaps a cautionary tale of the potential side effects of curbing short-term rental market. Well, okay, yeah, so if you if you fuck up this Airbnb market, you will fuck up the real estate market because... Because of the Airbnb market and a lot of other things, the only people able to really 
buy these houses and shit are people who are just going to buy them just to rent them and not live in them. So I think you kind of have an epidemic of a bunch of communities where nobody really lives, where it's essentially just a bunch of small hotels. And all these houses that could have gone to families uh, are now, you know, just being up-priced because of this fucking Airbnb thing. And it sounds like Palm Springs was a little sick of it, and so they put a cap on it. But now, no money, because nobody can buy these houses. I think this could be worth it, because if you think about it, all these housing prices fucking drop. Who's going to move in? People looking for a fucking house they can afford. Maybe people that want to have a family. Those are the people that want to buy houses. And then maybe Palm Springs could actually be a community with uh, fucking people in it, you know, instead of a bunch of 23-year-olds trying mushrooms for the first time in your vacation house. You know what I mean? Is that the life that you want? You make a bunch of money, and then you just invite 25-year-olds to come over and have sweaty mushroom sex in your bed? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Do you think you're Donald Trump? Do you think you're a businessman? You're not. You own a house and you let 23-year-olds fuck in it. That's not a business. God damn it. Okay, and more importantly, on an, on an isthmus in Mexico, a third gender is, expect, is accepted, even admired. That's the kind of thing that's going to drive up housing prices, Okay. If Palm Springs came out and they said a third gender is accepted, even admired, people would start looking and they would say, okay, well, maybe they got some stuff down there that could be fun. I also think that would be interesting because you hear about, um, like, I think the Native Americans refer to it as, uh, is it third spirit? But it's essentially a third gender. Uh, that also happens in, like, Southeast Asian countries, I know. Uh, they they consider it a third gender, and it essentially functions the same as a trans person. Um, but it is said in a different way, which is a very sort of, like, old, um, sort of an ancient way of looking at trans people. I think it could be interesting for Palm Springs to adopt ancient, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe ancient Mexican roots, um, to propagate uh, ancient beliefs in gender. I think that'd be a good idea. I just think it'd be fun if there was just, like, one city in America whose, like, uh, cultural uh, beliefs and uh, society was was based on, like, ancient religions. Because, of course, you have places like Miami, which is essentially, a lot of it is is just Cuba. Uh, I think that's beautiful that you have a city that doesn't function like any other city in America. It doesn't really even function as an American city. I think that's great. Um, and I think we should do the same thing. Uh, I think there should be... I think uh, Idaho should um, try and do a Mormon thing, but except with Zoroastrianism. So if you go to Idaho, that's where all the Zoroastrians are. And if you don't know Zoroastrians, as, as far as I know, I believe this is them, unless I'm thinking of a different, older religion. But I think... It might be Zoroastrians, which I, I believe still exist. Um, the way that they dispose of their dead is that they have a large outdoor pit, essentially. It almost looks like an eyeball, where the middle of the black hole is, a, is like an actual hole, and then around it is sort of a, a tilted ring. And on that tilted ring are dead bodies, and they decay, and then their fluids sort of drop into that pit, and most importantly, vultures come down 
and they eat the dead bodies, and it is encouraged in this religion to go watch. Not the, You don't have to stand there for five days, but go look at it for a little. Um, and that's their way of accepting death, to say, like, this is your father, who you love and you respect, and that's a vulture eating his face. And that vulture is only eating his face so it can continue to survive, because um, they need dead flesh, the same way your father needed uh, a burger. Um, I don't know if Zoroastrians eat burgers, but I think that's a very good way of looking at death. And I would like it if, you know, former state farm salesmen in Idaho were died that way. Well, not died, but were their bodies were treated that way after death. I think stuff like that would make for a more interesting country because, you know, I think if I go to Idaho, what I'm going to see is a lot of uh, farmland. Um, I'm going to see, I think they do potatoes there a lot. So you see a lot of just sort of dirt fields that I, uh, you know, there's potatoes under there. I think you'd see, I think it's a mostly Christian area. Definitely, I don't think there's a big Jewish or Muslim influence in Idaho. Definitely not a big Zoroastrian or Hindu or Buddhist influence in Idaho. Um, I think it would be too much of what I expect, and I don't like that from a city. I don't like that me as a California elite can go to another city and go, yep, yeah, that was about what I expected it to be. You know what I mean? I went to Appleton, Wisconsin. It's gorgeous, gorgeous little city. There's a river. The leaves were changing. It's beautiful. It's a storybook place. Um, and then beyond that, you know, a couple coffee shops, kind of fucking boring. You do the shows. You ask people, hey, do you like living here? They say no. I don't like that. I would have liked, you know, I had a lot of fun in Appleton, Wisconsin. I did like it. I'm not necessarily saying they need to change, but I will say if I went to Appleton, Wisconsin... And they were like, yeah, so um, there's a couple fun things. We have like a small college. We have a coffee shop. Um, and we also have, uh, you know, the largest mosque in, in the Western Hemisphere, you know, um, if they just did that Sasha Baron Cohen bit, you know, you know, or if or if they were like, uh, hey, Welcome to uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, one thing you should know is that the official religion of Appleton, Wisconsin is Satanism. Um, that, for me, just, you know, make the fucking place fun. Just do something. Because I feel like there's a thing uh, when cities were starting in America where they would do things to make themselves a very fun city. You know what I mean? I think that's why Chicago dyes their river green and I'm sure the dying of the River Green is the reason that several stupid Irish families have now lived in Chicago for generations, you know? And it's pageantry. It's stuff like that that gets people going, you know what I mean? L.A. kind of has a built-in pageantry because of Hollywood and things like that. But I think other cities need to start doing weird fucking shit to get people interested. You know what I mean? Like, what if you went to Appleton, Wisconsin, and everybody was just wearing orange robes, and you were like, why? And they were like, honestly, it's not even Buddhist. We just like orange robes. You know, I'd consider buying a house there if I had the money to do so. But, you know, what the, you know, what the fuck are you going to do? Anyway. Before primary, GOP campaigns on security at border with Canada. NH, I guess, was in New Hampshire, cracks down in what some groups call a made-up crisis. I was thinking about this last night. 
This is crazy, by the way. The Republicans, for some reason, want to secure the border at Canada, which is weird because I don't. I never thought that the 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 racist, often Republican uh, motto of securing the border at Mexico was dying out in any way. I don't think I never. I haven't heard from any Republicans that they've given up on the border. I've heard them say it's a mess, but they don't seem to mind. Um, or they, they like the mess. I think deep down they kind of like the mess. It gives them something to care about. Securing the border with Canada is absolutely hilarious. Um, they don't want to come either, so I don't know what that's about. Um, maybe if I read the article, I'd have, I'd have something to say. But I honestly think this is kind of a useless article. But I was just like, what are these? Okay, Governor Chris Sununu. Interesting. Allocated $1.4 million, which is barely anything, for border security in New Hampshire, despite a lack of customs data on how many migrants illegally enter the state from Canada. How would you even know they're fucking migrants? Like, what, you're in New Hampshire. You can't really see, but this is a picture of a very snowy area in New Hampshire. You're in New Hampshire... And you see, what, a white guy with a North Face jacket and a backpack walking down the street? Are you going to be like, hey, we don't do that shit here. Get out of here. You know, like, how are you going to tell? You could literally work with a guy at the same office for six months, and then you'd be like, yeah, I'm an illegal Canadian immigrant. What are you going to be like? You're taking my job. I don't think you're going to act that way. I think you're going to be a lot nicer to that guy for whatever reason. But I was thinking about that last night. It's so crazy that... um. There's uh, issues of homelessness popping up in, in, it seems like, literally any city in America. Uh, people can't, and even if they're not homeless, you know, they can maybe barely make rent. They can barely afford food. Uh, maybe they can't get their kids in good schools. They, if, God forbid, they get injured, now they're a poor family that's out, you know, $150,000, almost minimum nowadays. That stuff is so obviously the stuff we need to fix and it's so crazy that we fight over um gender and bathrooms and stuff like that because that stuff needs to be fixed simply because any time spent on that takes away from people who are like you know dying and and need help you know and trans people need help i'm not saying we should uh not fight for that i'm saying we shouldn't even have to fight for it it should just be a give like whatever you want to fucking piss somewhere go piss somewhere there's people dying on the streets. And the fact that Republicans, oftentimes, I'm not trying to blame them solely, I know there's a lot of transphobic Democrats, but the fact that, at least in our government, a lot of Republicans take the time to stop actual progress to talk about a fucking bathroom is ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's fucking insane. People are fucking dying, you know. And I started thinking about this because I was reading a book about Lincoln, like I was talking about. And the uh, the initial reaction, obviously, to the abolition of slavery was a very reactionary uh, reaction, if you can believe it. Um, they, they didn't have any points, the slave owners, to defend slavery. They would, they would manipulate words in the Bible and the Constitution to say that it supported slavery when it obviously didn't. Um, and, and, and they would say, you know, they didn't have a point really to defend slavery, but they had a point to say um, that these Yankees are trying to take our state's rights or whatever the fuck they were talking about. Um, and it was just fully reactionary. And I think you see the same thing with gun violence. 
Um, because, sorry, to go back, it's, you know, they're being reactionary because, yes, you have the right to own property in the United States and you should be protected over that right. And then these motherfuckers were like, well, yeah, slaves are the same thing. And it's just so funny that, like, even at that time, we couldn't even, you know, you have a conversation where it's like, well, yeah, you can own property, but it's fucking insane to act like a slave is the same as owning a chair. And they were like, no, it's not, you know. And then we spent, uh, you know, we, we killed 750,000 of our of our good men just because of that reason. And nowadays you see the same thing with fucking gun violence where it's like, yes, uh, I think, you know, as an American, you should have a right to an extent to bear arms. I, I don't think that owning an assault rifle is the same as owning any gun. The same as owning a slave is not the same as owning any kind of property. They're different things. They lead to bad things in our country. We need to be able to have a fucking conversation about it. And and uh, and remember that the Founding Fathers did want the Constitution and things like that to be moldable, to be changeable, to move with the times. They didn't write a Constitution for that time. They wrote it for the future. And, you know, something to be played with. You know, and then you have... Uh, you know, immigration that's, like, really not affecting so many of the people who are mad about it, uh, but they keep talking about their taxes, and they keep, you know, it's very reactionary, and it's like, you know, it just seems like this whole immigration thing, if it wasn't um, talked about so much, I don't think it would actually affect your life, because there are guys that are fucking CPAs being like, I don't want these immigrants coming in here, and it's like, why? Uh, like, are you really ruined? But you have a house and a car and kids, and you don't struggle for money, and you're talking about how your taxes are fucking you over. And I, I just find often that, and I hate to say this because it's very divisive, and I don't like it, but it sometimes it seems very true that the North often, Yankees, and nowadays often Democrats, will have an idea to, to change something, to say, you know, I think uh, these people want to pee in these bathrooms. It would make them more comfortable. I think we should allow that. And then, and then the South immediately goes, well, you're trying to take away my rights to be in a bathroom I like being in, and ba-ba-ba, and ba-ba-ba, and it's like, no, we're not. We're just saying, just make a, a third bathroom. Or also, I go to a place near me that has a fully all-gender public restroom. It's a, it's, a, it's a performance space. Fully, any gender can go in there, and it's public, and they only have one bathroom. You walk in there, and it's two stalls. And sometimes I piss next to women and shit, and neither of us really give a fuck because there's a wall between us, and we're both adults. And you walk into that bathroom, and you do that, and then you walk out, and you're like, yeah, I don't think my rights were infringed upon because the person next to me might have a different idea about their gender than I do, you know, or they might just be a cis woman or whatever. You know, I just find often it just seems like the South... Um, seems to act more off emotion and the feeling of being slighted and of anger more than it does actually thinking about the topic they're being presented with. And I, it just seems like before and ever since the abolition of slavery, the South has felt that all the North wants to do is infringe on their way of life. And if I'm being honest, uh, yeah, sometimes because your way of life is owning slaves and nowadays owning assault rifles and and all this fucked up shit and yeah the way you're living life is 
just look at the data. It's leading to issues. And it's not just us. There's tons of school shootings and tons of liberal states and northern areas or whatever. It's not fully a southern thing. But if you think about who's mostly trying to defend those things, it is people from the south very often um, trying to defend it to the fullest extent. Uh, the inability to compromise, I've found, is a big thing in the south. And I think losing of the Civil War has made them feel that compromise with the Yankees um, is to lose the Civil War again. And that's why I think that when you bring up assault rifles, when you bring up trans bathrooms, their answer is immediately no. And it's not, I don't think it's necessarily because of this, of, of the implications of what would happen if those laws were passed. I think it's just rather that the implications imply any kind of change in this and the south very often is is known as being resistant to change um and it's just annoying that we have this whole group in the country that is a that is a really scarred group um and i'm not trying to have sympathy for slave owners here but it's very obvious that the whites of the south feel very slighted they they are they live and die as people who feel very slighted and and I don't think they should I think they're wrong in that feeling uh, but I also think that feeling is brought on by a lot of uh, Yankee elitism that doesn't view those people as part of the same union and that happens a lot nowadays you know what I mean like like I voted for Hillary Clinton I did think it was pretty. Uh, disgusting to refer to a huge swath of the nation mostly in the south as deplorables you know i think you look at that and you're like have you learned anything about presidents that got stuff done you know what i mean because like lincoln and grant were like very angry at a lot of people that they would refer to as deplorable but they didn't fucking say that because that was a stupid, mean thing to say to a group of people who already feel slighted and infringed upon. And I'm not saying we should bend at the knee at the hurt emotions of the South. But I am saying that to get them to agree to change, you need to appeal to them in some way. And sometimes just sort of uh, treating them nicely is a good opening of the door, you know? And yeah, it's an interesting thing. That's why I like Ulysses S. Grant a lot, because he thought what the South was doing in the Civil War was disgusting. They were breaking up the Union. But he also said, we got to treat these guys uh, good when we beat them, because you realize once we beat them, it's not like it's Britain beating France. No, it's it's America beating America. We we all have to live together after this, you know, so... So like when he beat Robert Lee's Robert E. Lee's army, you know, he could have had them all arrested. You know, a lot of people would say morally he probably should have, uh, but I think also having them arrested would have led to even more post-war resentment, which wouldn't have really done the nation any good. And he said, listen, I'm not going to arrest you guys, but you got to go home. you got to go home, and if you break any laws again, if you try and fight this fight again, you're going to go to jail. I'm going to let you keep your property except the slaves, and you can go home with a little bit of dignity. Because once again, after this war, you are going to be half of our nation, and we're going to need you guys to feel good about being part of this nation. And uh, they didn't feel good about being part of that nation. And uh, yeah, it's a weird give and take, because it's like, listen, it seems like no matter how we treat you guys, you guys think we're evil. Um, but I will say, 
there's a lot of bad Northerners that have a bad and hateful view of the South, which gets us nowhere, you know? I don't hate the South. I think the South, you know, if, if America's a family, I think the South was a kid who was a bad kid who needed to change a lot of the things they were doing. This was like a kid that was killing animals. And instead of the parents um, showing it love, uh, it it beat the fuck out of the kid to stop killing animals. And frankly, it's because they tried to ask the kid to stop killing animals, and it said, no, you're going to have to beat me the fuck up. So it was kind of on the kid's fault that it got beat up. But what it did was it made the kid stop killing animals, but grew up with a resentment towards everybody who beat it to stop getting it to kill animals. So it's a weird thing, because it's like, you were wrong to own slaves. We had to literally beat you up until you stopped. Um, but you are now, you have trauma, and you feel like your parents hate you. I think that's what the South feels like, that its daddy, the government, hates it, and that it can never make its government happy, and so why even try? And I think that's where you get a lot of reactionary politics from the South, of like, you guys think we're dumb, stupid idiots fucking anyway, so we're just going to do what we want to do. You know what I mean? And yeah, I think it's interesting that even still, that after slavery ended, I think a lot of people in the South were like, all right, slavery ended, but I'm not doing shit for anybody else except me from now on, you know? And yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to be able to communicate as a country. And I, you know, maybe a lot of this is just in my head, but it's just the more I've been reading about the Civil War, the more I look at the current state of America, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, nothing's changed. Like, almost nothing has changed. In terms of the actual mindset of the nation, like, laws have been passed, and those laws have slowly seeped into the society of America, you know? Like, black people in the South can walk into any restaurant they want, you know? Like, that's just, that's commonplace now. But if you ask most white people in that restaurant if they want the black guy to be in there, you know, I don't know what they'd say. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's as simple as I don't care who's in the restaurant, you know. Um, there might be different thoughts. To put that on the South is a little mean, but I also think, you know, based on, there's, there's reason to believe that, yeah, the, uh, the actual... It just seems like we've passed a lot of good laws that have helped people, but it seems like a huge swath of our nation still does not agree with them. Like, the civil rights movement is still disputed by a lot of people. You know what I mean? It's like, it's as not a thing that was good. Still, nowadays, it's just, you know, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, I think sometimes people say, you know, like, yeah, America is still a very racist country, and a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? And... I think not only is it a racist country, it's it's a country of a lot of very traumatized and hurt people. And I don't think the South has taken the time to admit that wanting to hold on to slavery was a mistake. I don't think they've taken time to forgive themselves for making that mistake. I don't think they've taken time to forgive the North for... Um, you know, destroying their way of life. But I also think that in that forgiveness of the North, they have to understand that that became an imperative and that it wasn't necessarily, it, w it wasn't a bad thing to do. It, was a, it became a necessary thing to do, was to destroy the South as a whole because they were trying to uphold slavery and there's 
got to a point where there's nothing else we could do. It's either destroy them or destroy the country, you know? And it just seems like they just, they're just, there's still their perspective. is like, yeah, but you didn't have to do all that. And it's like, yeah, we did. You own slaves. And then when we try to ask you to stop, you started a fucking war. So yeah, we have to. And if they're like, you started the war, it's like, you seceded from the nation. What do you think we're going to do? Stop being stupid, you know? Stop being dumb. I think that's what annoys me. And, you know, I'm trying to have love for all the countrymen, but I think that's what annoys me about the South is its refusal to sort of admit their role in the last 200 years is, uh, like, just stopping them from from being able to actually have, you know, communication. You know, I think they're still just like, well, you fucking beat me up. And it's like, dude, you're not remembering why I beat you up. It's it's because you were trying to steal a man from the bar we were at. We were all at a bar having fun, and then you said, I'm going to take this guy home. And we were like, no, you can't. And then you fought us about it, and we beat you, and you still resent us for it. What the fuck, dude? You know? And yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fucking disgusting that a lot of people in the South claim to be the only ones upholding American tradition. When, in fact, American tradition... uh in a beautiful way, almost doesn't exist. Uh, I, I think we have a healthy disrespect of tradition. I think we have a healthy amount of... That is no longer our tradition. You know, our tradition is is of uh, change, I like to think. Our tradition is also full of horrible discrimination and oppression, but a lot of that has been tampered down by the belief in a flexible constitution and change in America. And so all these motherfuckers in the South that are like, I love America, and all these liberal elites don't, it's like, no, I think we both love America in different ways. And I think right now the the liberal elites are are asking for a change in this country that you don't want to give. And and that's not loving your country. Not compromising to new things is is to not love your country, you know. We didn't come here to stay the same for a thousand years like the fucking British did, those dumbasses over there eating food from medieval times still, you know? Oh, let's put pudding in a pita bread and then put fucking broccoli and meat on it and roll it up and call it a pudding. What are you talking about? Shut up. You know? Let's get hyped again on being America, but also get hyped on being America in the way that we're hyped on our, our flexibility as a nation to change and realize we've made mistakes in the past, okay? We have to accept that as a nation, we are, we've made terrible mistakes. But through that acceptance, we have to find a way to forgive ourselves for those mistakes and, and realize that without, you know, the willingness to, to change those mistakes, we wouldn't be where we are now, you know? It just feels like there's not a lot of that. It just seems like in, in 2024, every... Fucking citizen is like a six-year-old guy that's just like, I'm not learning anything new. You know what I mean? And it's like, you, dude, you don't even have to learn it. Like, you're not even going to meet these trans people you're voting against. That's what annoys me, dude, is like, all the people that are living around trans people are like, yeah, they can use whatever bathroom they want. And then everybody else who's not is like, no. And it's like, why are you fucking up our city? Why, why are you making people in my city feel like they don't belong when you don't belong because you don't you're not here you don't want to be here you've made that very clear there are people like i would never move to la and it's like well then don't fucking get mad that like we want some federal protection to let people who live here piss in bathrooms they want to because i can guarantee you any trans people 
that live in fucking Alabama aren't going to die in Alabama. They're going to move. They're going to move to a place. They're going to move away from all the people that hate them. So don't worry. If you hate trans people, they fucking know. And they don't want to be around you either. So, like, stop acting like they're intruding upon your life. They're not. You're on Facebook too much, you know? So, I don't know. And, yeah, it's like we got fucking people dying in the streets. And these motherfuckers are worried about the border of New Hampshire and Canada. Like, what? What are you talking about? Just put food in people's mouths. You know what I mean? Stop worrying about where people are pissing and if Canadians want to come here. Okay? We need to compete on a on a international level with hockey. And we have been. But we're going to slow down if we fucking tell Canadians they can't come in. All right? What, are we stupid? If we don't let Canadians in the country, we don't have Sidney Crosby. You understand? He's one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Pittsburgh Penguins. Is he American, actually? He might be American. I, th- I feel like he's from, like, Calgary or something, though. I don't know. Um, let me check how long I've been fucking talking. Okay, we'll talk for a little bit more. I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it's interesting, because I don't ever want to think that I'm right about any group of people. And I, and, and, and I know I'm not, because there's no way to be. There's nothing, there's no view I could have of the South that is, that is truly who they are. Um, but I will say it's just... The unaddressed trauma in this nation is insane. I mean, the trauma that still exists in black Americans is talked about only by black Americans. And I think that's gross because it's a conversation to be had with both people, you know, the oppressors and the freed people. Obviously, those people need to speak to each other. Some apologies need to be made. Um... And some actual thoughts for how to go forward need to be made, okay? It doesn't need to be like in fucking 2020 where there's that video of a bunch of white people kneeling and saying, I'm sorry, in front of a black guy, okay? That doesn't get that black guy any more opportunities in America. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because you say like, you know, we need to, to heal as a nation, and then sometimes we do that publicly with, with protests or speeches and stuff, but that's not what it is. It's, it's, you know, it's in your own mind and it's with your own family. It's talking to your family. It's talking to yourself. Um, it's trying to be part of something. I was thinking about this yesterday with stand-up, because a lot of stand-up comedians will say that comedy is healing, that talking about scary or negative things and, and making light of them is very healing. I think that's true. I don't think it's really true with stand-up. Um, I think stand-up is, uh, is a good thing, but it is a distraction. It's just a distraction. It's not actually healing. What's healing about it is like like a good stand-up show, people say, my wife died two months ago. I don't want to get out of the house. My daughter dragged me here, um, and I laughed for the first time in two months. That's a beautiful thing that you know only you know, that stand-up does. Movies do it too. It's not only stand-up, but that's a beautiful thing. But when it comes to therapeutic comedy, of really healing comedy, that happens between two people that love each other. An example of that is you're at a funeral for your father with your brother, and you look at your brother, and you make a joke about how your dad never liked wearing, you know, uh, that your dad, you know, looks fat in the coffin or something. And then you laugh about it. You know, look at him. He looks all fat in there, and that's your father, and he's dead, and it's a terrible day, you know? He looks so fat in there. And maybe you laugh for a moment, and you're only laughing because it was said to you by somebody that you love and who loves you, and it was said with love, and you know that because you know each other and you love each other. 
what annoys me about stand-ups and talking about how they're so healing is like, yeah, but you don't know that, you don't really know what that audience needs. They're paying to hear what you have to say. It's more of a favor to you than it is to them, you know? Um, and, and that's, I think, is the same thing when it comes to the trauma of the nation, is that a president or an activist cannot make one speech and heal, but, you know, maybe they can make one speech and then get two people in their private lives to start thinking about things and, and talking about it together and being able to, to heal in some way, you know what I mean? Because, you know, the South can't continue feeling like they're a bad kid that everybody hates, you know? I don't hate the South. They made some mistakes. Those mistakes were also made by many Northerners, such as every single one of our fucking founding fathers that allowed slavery to continue at the birth of the nation. You know, it's not just them, you know? it's They, they were acting on laws that were allowed for a while, but when it changed, they had to change. They didn't want to, and then... Shit got fucked up, you know what I mean? But we gotta start talking to each other in small ways with your friends, with your family, you know? We can't just continue all listening to different news sources and letting all these people fucking lie to us, you know what I mean? How do you really feel about the history of our nation? What we've done to so many innocent people in this nation? How do you feel as a white person to to be complicit in that and to have... Uh, to have been a part of it in some way, you know? And I'm not saying that me as a white guy that I'm responsible for slavery, but but what is my role in, you know, the current racial scope of America and, and how am I going about that, you know? Or just, or not, what am I doing to change the world? You don't have to ask yourself, what are you doing to change the world? But just just really ask yourself what you how you feel about those things, you know what I mean? I think a lot of people grow up like me in California and they say, you know, I'm a Democrat, I'm not racist, I'm good, and they never think about any of their beliefs, and oftentimes they end up being racist, awful people, you know? And then there's people in the South that grow up and they're told by their forefathers that the South has been uh, slighted by the nation, and they, and they grow up very angry, and very often they don't question their beliefs, and nobody's, you know, really questioning, and not in the way of questioning of changing, but just questioning of, well, let's ask all these obvious questions, let's answer them, and then let's uh, prove to ourselves that we really believe what we do believe. And if we do, then how are we going to go about making those things happen in this country or whatever? Well, maybe not the second part, but yes, the second part, but in small ways, you know what I mean? Not everybody has to be Fred Hampton, but have a conversation with yourself or with somebody you love. Think about it, you know? A lot of sad people, you know? I mean, that's why Trump won, is because he was, like, a president that made all those people who felt kicked out and slighted uh, loved. And if he only did that, that would have been nice. But he didn't just do that. He not only made them feel loved, he said that their beliefs, which nowadays I think hurt our country, were actually good and should be angrily defended. And I think more than really... Uh, getting any healing in that area of the country that Trump just sort of emboldened feelings of anger, you know? It's like you were approaching a very angry kid and you said, hey, you're right. The way you're mad is correct. And there's a way to do that that's not harmful is you look at that kid and you go, hey, the way you feel is, um, is understandable. Not to me. I think it's, I don't agree with it. 
I don't see how I could ever feel that way. But the fact that you do means you do, and that a lot of other people do, and that that's something that has to has to be examined, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, you got to... I gotta have some kind of conversation, um, and I'm I'm sorry that this uh, has that I'm talking about our nation again. But listen, you read this stuff about our our nation, and you think things aren't that different, and you think of that in a bad way, where you think, "Damn, I'm reading this book about Lincoln, and and black people are still getting killed in the streets, and a lot of people are not being held accountable for it. God damn, that sucks." And you also think, you know, not a lot has changed in the way that. I refuse to believe we're as divided as we as 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 we say we are. And I refuse to believe that the American experiment is is finished, you know. And it I don't know, it probably is because of big business. You know, also it's like, yeah, you read these books from like two hundred years ago and you're like, America still has a chance, and then you forget everything since Reagan and how fucking money works now and how uh, four corporations own any, everything, and then you go, ah, fuck, this is a different country, actually. This isn't, this is not the same country Lincoln led. That had a lot of issues, but this one has completely new issues, which are so banal in their evilness, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, oh, man, it's not the same as a guy just whipping you anymore. It's, it's now it's, you know, you grew up in a terrible community with shitty fucking schools, and nobody told you about college, and now you're working in a fucking factory, you know what I mean? And that has, now that just goes beyond race. Now it's just purely just oppression of the poor, you know? And meanwhile, we're, we're mad about the border of New Hampshire, you know? And that fucking sucks. And I don't know, I wish I was smart and brave enough to, to, to try and change things in the world, but uh, I'm not, you know? Everything I said is probably uh, dumb as shit and stupid and uh, should not be said, even if it is sort of the right thing to say, because I'm a fucking dumbass. Um, a lot of people like me with a fucking microphone talking about what we should do with our nation. None of us are correct. Um, that being said, Joe Biden's not that bad. Is it that bad to have him? Is it really that bad to have that guy that's a silly guy? He's a silly guy. Can we just have a silly guy for four years? I don't know. He's not hurting anybody. He's building bridges, as far as I know. He likes infrastructure. That's fine with me. You want to build a bridge? Go for it. I have not driven on any of these bridges he's talked about, but I, I've seen them. They look good. Thanks. Uh, anyway, all in all, thank you so much. Uh, please vote for me for president in 2084. Love you. Bye-bye.